Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Can you imagine now the faux pas if you got a, you know, I don't know, a glass, and they got a milk bottle and you just chucked it in the landfill? <laughs> People would, you'd be, you'd be cancelled, Les, if you tweeted that. I would be cancelled. <laughs> Thank God nobody's seen me do it. <laughs> yeah, the truth. This is what we're going to do on the podcast today. The truth about Les Dennis's <laughs> yeah. bins. Get in. Hello, welcome along. This is my mate bought a toaster. Uh, my name's Tom Price, and I am over the moon, cock a hope, to be welcoming someone who I've always thought is just fantastic. I used to watch him on TV as a kid. I just think your career is such an example to all other performers as well. And also, Les Dennis, I have only heard the loveliest things about you. Various friends and pals of mine have worked with you. Honestly, and I'm, these people are texting me saying, oh my God, you've got Les Dennis on toaster. He's the nicest guy. I just oh, want someone nice. to say... Well, I want someone to say you're an arsehole, just to give us a bit of texture. Oh, well, I'm 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 pleased that they are saying those nice things, and uh, yeah, it's um it's been a long career. It's been um I think I think the Guardian in in a review when I did the Adams Family, they said that Les Dennis in his strong in in his long strange career makes yet another left turn, and I kind of <laughs> liked that. I mean, I thought it at first is is this damning with faint praise, but I quite liked the fact that I've managed to keep making left turns. That's that seems to be the sum of my career. Totally, because if we're if we're taking nothing but left turns, we're basically going in circles, and that's exactly. fine by me. Coming back, that, coming back, full circle. Go. Yeah. Yeah, definitely not spiralling down. No, That's the important no, thing. No, exactly. <laughs> to push that metaphor to breaking yeah. point. Um, it is, and we'll get on. We must have a proper chat about the career because it is—it's an incredible thing that you do. It really is, and um, the way that you're perceived by everyone is fantastic. And hopefully, we will—we'll break some of that now on the yeah. show. We'll find out the truth. Yeah, exactly. We'll find out the Absolutely. truth. The, the monster. Um, all right, so uh, we're looking at your Amazon account, right? Les. Now, are you are you a, a prolific Amazon shopper, or are you going to play the "that was for my family" card well, a lot? Because we get that. <laughs> I have to say that I'm not a prolific Amazon user. I mean, I, I watch the movies on Amazon Prime, and um, and I do buy occasionally, but um, a lot of Amazon boxes come through our our house. Um, and uh, that's because of my kids and my wife, and um, I have to repackage them and put them into the recycling bin. That's my job. Uh-huh. That's my job uh-huh. for Amazon. So you're basically an Amazon warehouse worker, but in your own private house. Yeah, that's what yeah, you're like yeah, like yeah, yeah. Frances McDormand in in Nomadland. She's boxing yeah. it one end, and I'm the other end. <laughs> unboxing and sticking it into the recycling bin if I can get it in because there's so much stuff. I love the idea of you dre- dressed in overalls, maybe one toilet break per day. You know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough life. Um, all right, well, let's have a look. We, we, we've got a nice one here, 2013, right? So this is only, what, eight years right. ago. Uh, this is quite an interesting one. And uh, he's a man, not many people have... have uh, bought books by this guy peter james who i really like peter james the perfect murder yes um good sort of is it suffolk noir have i got the right county it's, there? it's brighton it's brighton, brighton set um mm. with uh detective inspector grace um yeah. although this one isn't a grace novel i don't think when it it, it basically the perfect murder is an, a, a, a short novel of peter's um, and it became a play, and I was asked to do the play, and so I bought the copy of the book so that I could read it. I'd already read a couple of his um, uh, Detective Grace um, novels, but I bought yeah. this one to see, you know, what what the character was like, and um, I played a guy who uh, wanted to um, create the perfect murder. And uh, it's a it's a really interesting play. 
and I loved it. Yeah, I had a great time. Ian Talbot directed, and mm -hmm. Peter was around. That was a lovely thing. I since have become friends with Peter James, um, oh, so and and he's such a nice man, and uh, and such a prolific writer. I think he yes. he writes a novel a year. Yes, he's one of them. Yeah. There's a few. There's a few of these guys around who do. It's often crime or thriller writers, and somehow people think, well, if it's one a year, it can't be that good. They're fantastic. <laughs> They're so good. They are. They are, and they just uh, did the first TV version of it with John mm. Sim mm. playing Inspector Grace. Yes. So um, I, I was thrilled to do it, and um, and out of it came uh, friendship with uh, with Ian Talbot. Um, the director and with lovely Peter and Laura, his wife. Lovely Peter, lovely Peter. And yet when he writes books, he writes the most <laughs> horrific. <laughs> yeah. you, it's so funny how, how, and you get this with various crime writers. They're so nice on Twitter or whatever. I follow a load of them. Like Ian Rankin, for example, the nicest man. Right. But my God, the darkness that comes out in those books. I don't know. Maybe the books are a kind of <laughs> purging of all that inner darkness. I don't know. It probably is that, exactly. You know, they're kind of letting that darker side of themselves out on paper. Mm. I have recently um, had a novel in my head like everybody, and then this last year I've started to write some of it out, and, and I'm quite shocked at the darkness <laughs> that's in my head. So where does it come from? I don't know. <laughs> Tell us, how's the novel going then? Are you? Are you is there... Is, is it very much un informal at the moment, or is it? I've, I've got about eight chapters out, and um, and uh, I, I like the way it's going, but I don't know where it's going. That's the thing, you know. I, people say that you should always have um, your ending, and I've got an ending, but I don't know how to get there. But I love the opening. <laughs> I love the idea. The idea came out of the opening. Um, and and then I started writing it down, and um, yeah, and, I, and I've stopped. But that's just that's just laziness. I've stopped because I'm doing other things. I think it's it's mo the most important thing when uh, says a man who's never had any books written or re uh, published or anything. But the most important thing when you are writing, surely. I guess it relates to this podcast. I really don't imagine anyone listening, and I would say the same about when you're yeah. writing. I, I think if you start imagining an audience. And I do, you know, I do yeah. a fair bit of live radio. If I actually imagine the audience, that way madness lies. If you're just doing it for yourself <laughs> and it's fun, yeah. then all power yeah. to you, right? Yeah, absolutely. But then you get tempted to go, I'll just show Claire, my wife, and I'll just show maybe a friend. And, and funnily enough, I thought of getting in touch with Peter and saying, look, tell me yes. straight. Here's the first eight chapters. What do you think? Am I barking up the wrong tree? Yes. Oh, so, so have you done that yet? Why hasn't that happened? No, I haven't. Well, for God's sake. Can, listen, you need to take something away from today's podcast, Les, and it's that. <laughs> yeah. Will you promise me you'll email Peter James after today? I will. Okay. I will exactly do that. Okay. I mean, it feels like that stuff, though, where you, you know, where whatever you do, you know, you go and talk to a doctor at a party and tell them your ailment <laughs> or... Or you, or a, people come up to you and say, "Tell me a joke, be funny," yeah. oh. and it feels like I'm then saying to Peter, "Peter, look at my book and tell me it's good." I think that <laughs> I think. Well, listen. First of all, don't please don't phrase that it like that on the email because that's, that's a terrible <laughs> way of writing email. But I think that oh, as a comedian, there's nothing worse, is there, when someone says, "Go, on, go on, then do a bit." Yeah, do, <laughs> yeah it, that's right. It literally right. it makes me prolapse with dread when people say it, that. I'm just like, and it's usually do your Mavis for me. Oh, <laughs> I, go, God, I don't I can imagine. I don't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it's. Um, or, or people follow me with game show Tourette's, you know, they're all yes. doing the uh, uh, noise behind me and are really thrilled and, and they fall about laughing more than I do because they think they're the first one to do it. It's like a kind of game show Tourette's. Yes. They feel they've got to do it. So we should explain, you presented Family Fortunes, didn't you, for a yes, big Yes, uh, for 15 years. 15 years. 15 years of... of um, uh, that show and it was a great show to do yeah. and it came at a time um after i was in the double act with dustin g and, and dustin sadly died in 1986 um and you know i lost my comedy partner and my best friend mm. uh, and didn't know i felt rudderless i didn't know where i was going and then family fortunes came along so it it served a wonderful purpose for me because for 15 years I was on Saturday night TV. Yeah. People used to watch Family Fortunes and then Blind Date while they were getting ready to go out on a Saturday yeah. night. Yeah. And that seems to be a lot of people's 
kind of a younger life they they remember that which is lovely for me yeah um so i i it was a gift of a show to do i'm so oh, i'm not surprised to hear this but i'm so happy that you're not one of those grumps who hates the catchphrase that sticks with them for the rest of their life because because <laughs> i'm just like i would love i mean i'm sure there are various comedians <laughs> little britain who hate yeah. the fact that people <laughs> pursue them and, and shout the catchphrase at them but i can't imagine ever getting sick of it because i'd be like yeah that that is the reason that i have had the time that i've had and i'm doing the yes. things i do yeah exactly Uh, i think it was um richard wilson that when somebody said to him um i don't believe it and the person said um i bet you wish you had a pound for every time you've heard that and he said i have (laughs) (laughs) exactly (laughs) uh that's a bit like someone asking don mclean uh what does american pie mean do you know this one? Do you know this one? No, no. Don, Don McLean answered, it means I never have to work again. Oh, that's great, isn't it? That's a, that's a lovely answer. We should say as well, of course, with your, your double act, and this is a really fascinating fact that I didn't know. So you were on stage after Tommy Cooper died, weren't you? Yes. Um, it was live TV. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was the, live from Her Majesty's. Uh, Tommy was closing the first half um, and we, Dustin and I, were going on after the commercial break, mm. um, after him. So we were following Tommy Cooper. Sure. Which in um, itself is hard enough. Yeah, it's hard enough. Um, and um, Tommy, at rehearsals in the day, had never done the same thing twice. He messed about. He, he kind of went to his props table and brought things forward. He was, he was doing this... Um, routine where he had a cloak on at the end of his spot. He had this massive big cloak on and the curtains behind him um, were clearly the the props guys were feeding the props through the curtains and through into the cloak and out of the cloak, Mm -hmm. Tommy would produce um, (laughs) a lampshade (laughs) and then a fire hydrant and the things would get bigger and bigger and, you know, a, 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 set of steps yeah. <laughs> and it was a hilarious routine um uh, we'd watched it at rehearsal in the afternoon and thought he was just a genius mm. absolute brilliant um jimmy tarbuck the host of the show loved him yeah. really loved tommy and this was tommy was at a point where he needed this show kind of he was just in the wilderness a little bit uh-huh. but he needed this show and he was clearly storming it he got to that part on the night uh, where the the girl that walked on, the, the girl dancer walked on, uh, Sandy, I always remember Sandy. She walked on and gave him his cloak and he put the cloak on. She helped him put the cloak on. And as she walked off, he went, thanks, love. And, um, and then he collapsed. Oh. And she turned and laughed and the audience laughed. Oh. And we laughed in the wings. And David Bell, the producer, kind of looked... Um, and it then became uncomfortable, and the audience wondered whether they should be laughing. Um, and David Bell looked and then said, is that a joke to Tommy's um, son, Tommy Jr., who was in the wings with us? Um, he said, that's not a joke. My dad's got a bad back, and he wouldn't be able to get up from that. So David Bell coolly said, cue music, cue commercial break. The band played. The commercial break happened. We, Dustin and I thought, well because the paramedics ran on and moved him behind the curtains. And um, we thought, well, surely that will the, the show will stop now and they'll put on a repeat of The Professionals or something. Yeah. Um, and they didn't. Um, David Bell and, and Jimmy Tarbuck said, are you guys ready to go on? The commercial break was suddenly over. And did you know at this point he'd died? He hadn't died. Okay. Um, they'd pulled him back. And um, I think the paramedics were, were seen to him and um, they he, he died later in St. Thomas's Hospital. Right. Um, but, you know, kind of certainly we knew that something was not right. Um, and we kind of then had to go on and work in front of the tabs that he was working in front of, which we wouldn't have done. We would have been on an open um, kind of, 80s spangly light bulby set mm. um, that David Bell loved so much. Yeah. Um, but we we worked in front of those tabs and and carried on and and I suppose held the fort. Gosh. Um, Could you was, hear stuff weird. going on? Could you hear things happening behind you? Well, um, funnily enough, Dustin, who used to do this impression of Robert Mitchum, brilliant impression of Robert Mitchum, afterwards he said, I went to get my Robert Mitchum hat and I heard somebody say, it's okay, he's been sick. 
So this is all going on and, and we're live on TV and we are somehow pulling an audience out of their confusion and we did really well that night. Mm. And we came off and afterwards Dustin said, that's the way I'd like to go. I'd like to go with my boots on. Yeah. And two years later in Panto, uh, when we were in Southport, um, he collapsed on New Year's Day. Um, as we in the middle of the show, we we were coming off stage and um, we were playing Ugly Sisters yeah. and foolishly Brokers Men as well because Dustin decided we should be playing both oh. parts because he loved a challenge. Yeah, um, it was a challenge too far though, and he he came off and, and in the wings he just collapsed and uh, went into a coma and and died a couple of days later. So you should be careful what you wish for when you say yeah. things like that, when you say, I want to go that way. I was about to make a glib comment about, oh, if it's me, then I guess it'll be mid-podcast. I'm not going to make that comment now. <laughs> no, no, no. I'll tell you what, be careful that, you know, working with me, I've got a reputation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, bloody hell. I'm going to go get a full health check off the show. <laughs> Twenty sixteen, Les Dennis. Yes. Um some nice purchases here. I think Oh, I, I start buying things, do I? I it, suddenly realise yeah, what Amazon's about. It kicks <laughs> off. Or you give your password and log into your other half. It kicks <laughs> off. Either way it kicks off. Um we've got John Adams Tiny Tears Best Friends, some nice dolls here. Uh, a buyer <laughs> right. design twin dolls pram. I sense there might be some little people in your life oh. at this point. Yeah, um, I'm I'm an older dad. I've got a, a 41 year old son, Philip, mm. from uh, my first marriage to Lynn, um, and uh, I was 26 when he was born. Um, and then at the age of 55, I became a dad again oh, to Eleanor. Um, and I remember Barry Cryer, my lovely mate, saying, "55 is a great age to be a new dad because you're up three times a night anyway." <laughs> so, um, so Eleanor was born. So that makes me really because she's 13 now so you know the idea of dolls and yeah. dolls prams although she still loves them and i love the fact that she does um you know that the fact that it's only 2016 since those days and how quickly they go yeah. and i've got tom who's now 10 so there'll oh. probably be some some purchases that were bought for tom as well gorgeous but what so, was it a tiny tiny tears was tiny it? tears best friends uh yeah a, 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 one's in blue one's in uh pink fully fully oh. gendered those were the days oh. um <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Don't Tom stop it, stop it. Um, a, a Georgie interactive puppy toy as well. It's such a this is such a powerful way to look at the advancing years of your of your little ones because yeah. I've got two. I've got a five year old and an eight year old, oh. and I am just so it makes me well up thinking about it. I'm just so conscious that you're watching the sand. I know it sounds really melancholic, a really melancholic thing to say, but there is a part of your brain going, enjoy this, mate, cherish this. Yeah. I did um, the Adams family. I played Festa, mm. uh, and my uh, lovely mate Cameron uh, Blakely played um, Gomez. Yes, he played Gomez, and he had this wonderful song about Wednesday, kind of growing. It, it, it's called "A Little Happy, A Little Sad," and it's that thing about watching your little girl go from a little girl to a young woman, and it's a beautiful song. And I remember, you know, Eleanor was still a little girl when I did that show, and now she's at that stage where. I was in buckets then, you know, the anticipation of that. Mm. And and now if, if I was in that show with, with him now, I'd, I'd be bawling. Yeah, I yeah. Know. But how wonderful that, you know, uh, you, you had, you managed to have two more, you know, and you got, you got yeah, to go through yeah. it over again. Do you think as an older dad, do you, do you appreciate those moments even more? Because it must have been not something you thought would happen when you were, say, 45 or whatever. Yeah, I think, you know... Um, I I love it, and it was it came out of nowhere. I remember I I, I bought a house in in Highgate and um, did it up, and then I thought, well, what am I doing this for? This is this is a family house, mm. and I sold it, and oh. I now I now kind of mourn that house, thinking that was the house for Claire and the kids and me, and and we've we've moved north now, and we and we have a lovely house here, but um, but that was the perfect London home for us, and at the time I just thought I don't need this, mm. I'm you know I'm a single man that's never gonna go there, and I did, 
So you can never say what you're going to do in life and where life is going to take you. Yeah, you know? of course. Of course, such good advice. Also, if you ever sell a house like that, just keep the keys. Just break back in. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. It's that hindsight thing as well with properties and houses. You know, you always go, oh... Well, oh, you know that I, know. I could have bought that. <laughs> oh, I, I know. <laughs> I, I grew up with my my parents always yabbering on about should have should have held on to this, should have held on to that. And you just think, no, you did what you did in the moment. You can't, and you exactly. you know, and you yeah. can't think yeah. of houses. And of course, no. this whole generation do this. This you can't think of houses as assets. They are a thing you live in, then you move on because your yeah. life has moved on. But I think that you know, certainly with COVID, people have realised that they maybe don't need to live in London anymore, yeah. that they that they might want to get out and have a bit more space, but um, yeah. but not necessarily have to be chained to their desk anymore. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, or talking of being uh, chained, uh, we've got a man who, <laughs> yeah. we've got a man who enjoyed performing in prisons, Johnny Cash. Uh, oh, San yes. Quentin. Oh, God, I loved, I get really aggressive about Johnny Cash. Oh, oh bloody love him. Oh. Love him. I love him. And I love this album. My mum my had this album when we were kids. We had a radiogram. Mm. And um, we, I remember that there was a, a lot of Sinatra, Tony Bennett, um, my, I Left My Heart in San Francisco being the song that would play every Sunday morning. My mum would have it on as, as I was her commie chef making Sunday dinner. Aww. We didn't have, we didn't have Sunday lunch. That, that's too posh. We, I'm from Liverpool, working class Liverpool. So it was Sunday dinner while my dad was out at the pub having his three or four pints on a Sunday afternoon with his mates. Yeah. Uh, I would be commie chef with my mum and we'd we'd listen to Tony Bennett and Frank Sinatra and Johnny Cash. And that San Quentin album was there, you know, and and something that my mum loved, you know, um, that that song, San Quentin, I Hate Every Inch of You. The fact that he did that in front of that that crowd is incredible that, you know, that he managed to avoid a riot um, with the humor and with the, the the pathos of that song, the the kind of the magic of, of, of his performance as well. San Quentin, may you rot and burn in hell. May your walls fall and may I live to tell. May all the world forget you ever stood And may all the world regret you did no good It's amazing, and just that idea. And and I guess maybe we have a more resonant appreciation of it. I don't know, that might be putting us on a throne. But in terms of doing a gig in a prison, not once, but twice. (laughs) Yeah, twice. And to hear, when you hear that roar, noise yeah, of the crowd yeah. that sends a shiver down my spine every time it does absolutely and and i thought joaquin phoenix did a great job brilliant job of, yeah, yeah of um recreating that icon that wonderful and and he sang himself didn't he, he did yeah he did it wasn't uh, miming to johnny cash it was the, it was his yeah. his voice and if you listen to the later johnny cash um albums you know as he's dying you know those those incredible um songs of of kind of grief and and loss and and you know just a life lived yeah. and, and you know you certainly know that about Johnny Cash he's not just a performer who goes on stage and um is a persona it is him yeah. we get everything there if you haven't dear listener if you haven't heard american for the man comes around which has got, yeah, which is that yeah. album? It's got like Hurt on it, which it's just. I'm sure you guys must have heard yeah. it. There, but they're, they're, yeah, oh. that's it. Hurt is a, a wonderful, uh, wonderful track, isn't it? Oh, it yeah. just. I remember hearing that when it first came out. And I was in, the, I was at Edinburgh doing. Uh, I was doing three shows a day at Edinburgh and I listened to that album constantly. And at the end of the month, I was like, why do I feel really depressed? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's because I've had Johnny Cash in my ears. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, it's Mr. P here. I'm the other Mr. P. And we are the hosts of Two Mr. P's in a Podcast. The educational podcast where you don't actually learn a thing. No, instead we explore the weird, wonderful and downright hilarious things that happen in school from people actually doing the job. We reminisce on our own time at school, funny things we experience each day. And of course, we share your hilarious stories from the chalk face. 
So if you work in a school or just want a nostalgic trip down memory lane, sit up straight, fingers on lips, and get ready for the lesson. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. And what else have we got here, Les Dennis, as we move to 2017 now? Right. Um, so we've got, what's this? Okay, then this might be. I don't know if you're going to be comfortable talking about this. Just, just scream and shout if you want to stop. Um, we've got one here as normal one life with a difficult or damaged sibling. Um, and Kane's legacy, um, liberating siblings from a lifetime of of secrecy and re- regrets. That's pretty wow. heavy stuff. <clears throat> what what are they called again? Uh, one's called Kane's legacy, right? And one's called the normal one. Life with a difficult or damaged sibling. This is pretty heavy stuff here. I think this might have been something that my wife Claire bought and bought it in my name because I certainly okay. well, haven't read either of those books. And she is a kind of um, a relationship coach. Okay, um, right. so you know that that's her background. So she might have been researching something and has bought those books. But um, right. yeah, it's um, kind of. I think we all have. I, I have a, a great relationship with my with my siblings. You know, um, uh, I have two sisters uh, and a brother, Ken. Um, and my my elder sister Marg is like the matriarch of our family. She really is, you know. She is. Well, my my mum died in nineteen seventy seven, right. and my dad died in nineteen eighty two. So I've been without parents since you know my thirties. Right. Um, okay. Which you know. So um, so our Marg, as we all call her mm. in Liverpool, it, you you always preface uh, somebody's name with R. Yeah. You know, it's our Marg, our Ken, our Mandy, <laughs> uh, but it's me, mom, and me, dad. Yeah. Even when it's talking to them, <laughs> it's suddenly my when it comes to parents. But um, our Marg is is the kind of rock, my rock, really. You know, when the, when I've had bad times in my life, you know, I could always call Marg at any time day or night and she was there and and is still there for me that's so good to hear what well, i not... think siblings you know are the well family it's they're the ones that will be there always you know friends yeah. are great and you can always rely, rely on friends but but friends come and go and friends change but your family are always there yeah totally what did your parents do right les this sounds like they were just brilliant <laughs> you've got this wonderful you've got tight siblings because that's not easily done i've got two elder brothers and they're much older than me and we get on right. really really well and i do yeah. always think despite my parents being massively flawed people as all parents are i do think yeah. wow you got this right you made us you made us yeah. thick as thieves i don't know how yeah my 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 mum was a real believer in kind of uh self improvement mm. and self improvement for my for her family i i read um when we were at school we would i think our o level book was sons and lovers yeah uh, the d h lawrence um novel yeah. about paul morell and his relationship with his mother and his father and i kind of really identified with this boy who um wanted to self-improve and had a mother who was absolutely sure that he would. And my mum, you know, we lived in, like I say, we worked in, in we lived in working class Liverpool, um, but we lived in a prefab in Speak, you know, um, one of those kind of uh, post-war kind of uh, self-build homes that uh, sprung up in the suburbs of, of different cities. And so we lived in this tiny prefab, but my mum was always determined that we would move on. And she got us to Childwall, 
which was uh, quite a posh part of Liverpool. We were in a council house, but we were in a council house in Childwall. And she then, when it came to um, her ambitions, she wanted to drive and my dad left. My dad was content with his lot. My dad was had worked on the docks and then he was um, he worked for a, a bookmaker. He managed betting shops. Mm. And my mum worked in factories all her life. But she decided she wanted to drive and she said... Um, I'm going to start a car box. She had a little money box. And we all laughed because she wrote on it in Biro, Mum's car box. And we just thought, no chance. And she put her uh, pennies and sixpences in and she got a car. No, um, she did it. And she did, she did it. And uh, she didn't pass until her fifth um, <laughs> fifth time. But, Excellent. you know, she, she kind of... She she did it, and um, uh, much against the grumbling of my dad, who tried uh, driving lessons once and got out and said, never a bloody again. <laughs> so so she was driving and he wasn't? He wasn't, yeah. Okay. yeah my dad, so my dad never learned to drive and, and also kind of never wanted to. So my mum did that, and then she, she got us to, you know, I went to Quarry Bank, um, the school that John Lennon had gone to. Right. And again, she kind of... She made sure when it came to 11 plus time that I worked hard and that um, I got to the school that I wanted to go to. Yeah. So, and then when I when I wanted to do what I do now, yeah. she was really encouraging as well. I suppose like our Marg is the matriarch now, she was the matriarch of our family and well, clearly she was the mother, yeah. but um, she really was so um, invested in our kids and, you know, would come over when we, when we used to play football on the back, backfields my mum had come and play as well oh excellent and she, she had uh, one of the most uh, unusual um in football injuries she was getting ready to go out that night and she had rollers in her hair and she headed the ball and the roller went with the pin <laughs> <laughs> stabbed her head oh my god so <laughs> could, yeah, could have been catastrophic it could have been catastrophic <laughs> amazing, amazing. but uh yeah so i i when you say what did they do right i think they just were there for us when we needed them yeah yeah and do you think uh that your mum with rollers in her head did that inspire you when you were doing your famous impression <laughs> many years later yeah i think well you know my mum again was someone who wanted to perform and she'd had a chance when she was a kid of um performing on a talent show with a guy called carol levis who was um it was called carol levis discoveries it was a radio talent show yeah. and she got a chance to do it and her mum uh, refused her from doing it said no you start in the bobbins works on on monday morning so she had a job to go to and she was what 15 i oh, think wow. and she went straight to work so um she could see in me that i wanted to do it so that car that she had saved up for was the vehicle that she would drive me around to the clubs when i was still underage for driving um I, and because I, I started doing the working men's clubs while i was still at school so my mum would drive me around and um take me to the clubs wow in that car that she saved up for it's all in that car oh, it's that morris so 1100 oh, yeah but if it wasn't for your gran telling yeah that's telling right. your mum no she would never yeah. have had the energy to say yes to you in that way exactly. look where we are now exactly 9406 lv the registration <laughs> plate of that car Never, you never forget L three five eight DNU. You never forget there the reg of your first yeah, yeah. car. Yeah. It's so I couldn't true. tell you the reg of my car. Now. <laughs> no, no idea. Couldn't tell you the color of my car now, though. So I've got a clue. What's the purchase history of this jokester? Stay tuned for my mate on the toaster. So hang on, how old were you when you were first out doing the working men's clubs? Then um, I was seventeen when I did my first. Um, paid gig mm. when i was 16 my mum again she worked in a factory and there was a club called the norgreen social club and she knew the, the concert secretary who was at the factory with her and he got me my first experience um on stage you know they 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 um would put me on in working men's clubs for 10 minutes yeah. in between the the acts that were booked and pay me my exes expenses i see but when when i got two pounds expenses at that no green social club for 10 minutes and i was working all day um at a, a do-it-yourself shop on a saturday mm. for one pound oh there you go <laughs> uh, lugging you know uh, all sorts of 
trays of tiles up and downstairs. Um, I thought, oh, this is quite good. <laughs> this this <laughs> so, is nice. Just so, a, a bit of quick maths there. Two, yeah. two pounds for that. Yes. And then at 17, I did the, my first, you know, um, paid gig, as in, you know, I was the I was the act that was booked for the night. And very often, and I remember it was Melling Ratepayers mm. was the club I did. Um, in fact, I was I was going to do a show this year, and COVID stopped it from happening. Um, Phil McIntyre um, had a, a, a tour lined up for me. Mm. Um, uh, fifty years of being Les Dennis, because it's it's fifty years this July since I did Opportunity Knock, so I kind of okay. count that as my fifty years in show business. I was seventeen, and when I did the Melling Rate Payers, um, I thought, well, I'll go back. Uh, this year and get and, and charge them the seven pounds I got that first time Excellent. in yes. in 1971 and use it as a tryout gig. Yes. But, uh, oh. Well, we'll, we'll hopefully we'll we'll get that tour up and running at yeah. some point. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, fantastic stuff. Okay, all right. Look, let's come crashing back into the present. Here we are, 20, yeah. 2018. Um, yeah. And again, I'm sensing I'm sensing little ones here. Fantastic Four, <laughs> <There's> the, <laughs> yeah. um, wizard school uniform. We've got have we got a Harry Potter fan in our midst? because there's a lot of Harry Potter business here. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're both Harry Potter fans and uh, that probably would be... Um, it, it, does it coincide with World Book Day when they go dressed? Um, oh, bang on! February 2018. Yeah. Yes, I'm sure that's World Book Day. We've got a... Yeah, we've got the wand. We've got a... a, 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 a I was going to say a gown. It's not a gown, is it? What am I thinking? Right. Whatever it's called, you know the thing. Um, yeah. I mean, just just lazy dad thinking, you know, I'm yeah. not making the costume for you. <laughs> yeah. Get it? Yeah. I've, I've discovered Amazon yeah. this late in my life, and I've, I've got to um, crumple all those boxes and put them in into recycling. Yeah. I may as well <laughs> have an easy time of not having to find a costume for you. You know, like in, <laughs> um, you know, like in the, have you seen the Thomas Crown Affair? Do you remember that film? Yeah. You know yeah, when, which one? There, there were two. Well, the original. I either, I think it counts. Certainly I've only seen the remake, but in the, okay. re, in the remake at the end, when he, a bit of a spoiler here for any Thomas Crown Affair <laughs> about to watch, when he disappears into a crowd of other Thomas Crowners, right? Right. That's his, fam- right, right. That's his famous escape. He, he walks into yeah, a crowd and yeah, everyone's okay. dressed in the same way. That is World Book Day with Harry Potter costumes. You're absolutely right. <laughs> they walk, you're right. They walk out of the house and you're like, yeah. bye, darling, enjoy. Oh, my God, which one's mine? And they've gone. Well, <laughs> you've taken me back now to the original Thomas Crown Affair, which was a brilliant film with Steve McQueen and mm. Faye Dunaway. Yes. And they have a, a game of chess that is the sexiest game of chess and, and, and goes on for minutes and minutes. Um, and we, I, I did um, Birds of a Feather Christmas special last year, oh. and we kind of recreated. Uh, um, Leslie Joseph and I did a, a spoof of that with, oh. with, Jeng, with Jenga. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic, fantastic! And the song from that film was uh, like a wheel within a wheel, yes, like uh, of Noel, Noel Harrison, the son of. Um, Rex Harrison. Yes, yes. Yeah. That's so God, that's so funny because I haven't seen that film, but I totally know that reference. Yeah. In the circles yeah. of your mind. Yeah, the circles of your mind. Yeah, yeah. Um I did warm up for Birds of a Feather for a while. I wasn't on that. Did one. you? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. My God, that was fun. I used to watch wow. it as a kid. I loved it. It was really it got me into the idea of sitcoms, watching Birds of a Feather with my mum. Yeah. It was such a good it's such a good blueprint for a perfect sitcom. Yeah. And Marks and Gran, you know, who wrote it, also did uh, Good Night, Sweetheart. How I mean, this is a silly question that I feel like there's some sort of Les Dennis Kirby enthusiasm hybrid, but would you would you like a would you love a kind of sick a good strong solid modern sitcom vehicle? Now you'd be perfect for that sort of thing. Wouldn't you? I'd love that. You know, kind of um, do, doing extras with Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant was such a joy mm. and such um, a kind of reinvention for me. Mm. Um, and kind of the fact that I was playing uh, as they called it a twisted, demented version of myself, was, and they said to me when I kind of looked quizzically, they said, think Larry Sanders, think Curb Your Enthusiasm. So I think, yeah, I think a, a grumpy Les would be, because you, you've just said that everybody in the business says, oh, Les Dennis is so lovely. But I have my grumpy side and I would yes. love to, to play that. We, we did um, out of um, extras, uh, there was life too short with Warwick Davis, um, and there was a there was an Easter special with myself, the wonderful, um, greatly missed um, Keith Chegwin and oh, Sean Williamson, yes. and we were again playing ourselves, but kind of as a as a uh, a, a road show. 
the three of us. I mean, Warwick's, Warwick's idea was that um, uh, individually you're Z-listers, but together the three of you might make <laughs> a, a D-lister. We might be able to put a tour together. So we did um, a, a special with, bizarrely, Val Kilmer in the mix as well. And it was it was very funny and kind of missed, I think. It, you know, it was one of those... Um, uh, shows of Ricky's that didn't didn't get seen that much um but uh was I I thought was lovely to do and I would love to do yeah sitcom would be great yeah that moment 2005 was when you did extras that must have been yeah. a that's kind of a, a that was a big left turn wasn't it? that was a big or certainly a big reinvention for you at that point yeah it was um and it came at the right time because you know um a lot of things were not going great mm. um I'd done big brother uh and or, or even though I came second to Mark Owen um I came out to headlines of you know is this the most pathetic man in Britain, <laughs> and uh, and not the not the best um, reaction. So when when Ricky called and um, asked me to play this part, um, I was thrilled. And uh, even though my friends were like going, be careful because his humour can be cruel, and you don't want them to be you know. Uh, subject to them taking the mickey out of you yeah but um when i read the script um uh and when they gave me those references of um Kerb and larry sanders i just thought no this is a chance for me to do something that will reinvent yes it really did and it's so funny that these things come along and with no pre-planning this is what i love about yeah. our business i love that about yeah. our business i'm just going to sit here and look at my yeah. phone something will pop up yeah that's right and you know um I, i've just got two jobs and and suddenly my year is looking good and it mm. wasn't and that's the exciting thing about as you say this business you know you never know mm. the what's ahead and um if you're in a, a a comfortable nine to five then you have that comfort and that security mm. we don't have that we have feast or famine we do but exactly. when feast comes it's suddenly it's lovely Exactly. We are we are at the casino. We're the broken people at the casino at three a.m. Yeah, we're happy we here. We're happy here. All right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you enjoy your pensions and your normal lives. Um, having said that, if you know if there is famine, uh, Les, yeah. it's fine. Don't panic because you've bought the uh, on the thirty first the thirty first of May twenty eighteen an adjustable portable stainless steel uh, dog grooming table <laughs> and a pet grooming scissor kit. Do you want to explain this? Well, yeah, again, I know exactly this because I remember looking at Claire and going, what are you doing? And why did she buy it through me instead of go um, on her own account? I don't know. Um, we, at that time, had one dog called Dizzy. We now have two dogs, Dizzy and Maya. Uh, Dizzy is a lesser poo. Oh, okay. uh, so that's a lesser absolute poodle cross. Lovely. Maya is, they call her a she-poo. Good. Uh, which is a Shih Tzu poodle cross. I think it's a polite way of oh come not, on, not saying shit's poo. I just call it shit's poo. Shit, I call I call it shitty poo. Come on, <laughs> yeah, get stuck in shitty poo. Double down. The, and certainly for the first, she's she's nearly a year now, and for the first um, uh, six months, she lived up to that name. <laughs> uh, my kids love it that I call their shitty ass, and they just love that. Because <laughs> my mum used to use that that phrase when I was a kid Excellent. and they just loved it I, you know Maya is shitty ass but um <laughs> uh, yeah so Claire I think just thought because Eleanor my um daughter is is absolutely animal obsessed okay. and we now have rabbits and we now have a hamster and we have two dogs and a cat oh. it's you know um <laughs> it never stops oh, I love but it. basically I think the, the the Eleanor was like I want to be able to um do this for for Dizzy to be able to um, groom her right and I think she had a go uh, and uh th that uh that table is now sat in the in the garage. <laughs> is it? Is it really completely all, unused? With all the other stuff that doesn't get used. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If my dog saw that table, they, so basically to describe it, it looks like something you'd see in a lab, except there's a yeah. sort of there's a frame over the top of it, and that is the thing you harness the dog onto, so they have to That's turn it. Right. And I've got a, I've got a very old smelly Labradoodle. There, so she's called Polly. Polly, oh. Polly Wally Doodle, and she absolutely honks, and she has to get she has to get she has to get the shitty ass curtains dealt with by yeah. a groomer. And if, if we walk past the groomer on a normal day and and she's near the shop still now she yeah. she absolutely she shivers she shakes i don't know what that groomer's doing to her but she is terrified completely dizzy's terrified. the same dizzy mm -hmm. absolutely if we pass her 
um, when we lived in London and wherever she got groomed, then we passed that shop. She would, you know, she would drag her heels, <laughs> and I'd have to really pull and pull. And it would probably be at a time when the press were trying to oh, get no! photos of me. There's Dennis Pat. There's Dennis. <laughs> Les Miserable and his and his little dog. Oh. Um, and then now, now where we are, she she goes straight there, and I send her in. And, and the last time I took her, um, she she got off the lead and legged it. Oh no! Outside of the shop, gone. Out of well, it was <gasps> luckily it was um, a little lane with um, it was at the top of a lane we used to live in. So she just legged it back to our oh, old house. Oh shit! Twenty first of June, twenty eighteen. Oh, you've done a thing. You've you've done the thing. Many of my guests have done this. Um, yeah. Dom Jolly is perhaps the worst uh, uh, person to do this. <laughs> you have bought your own produce. You've done it. <laughs> you've bought you've bought a cop two copies, of course, of Les Dennis's Must the Show Go On. This is in June twenty eighteen. <laughs> Quite right too. If you can't buy your own book on Amazon, what? can you do um so this book and i'm looking at it on amazon bloody hell it's got some fantastic reviews is it oh good you probably don't want to know that you're trying to you're probably avoiding the reviews for your uh for your sanity but no it's it's incredible it's got almost all five star reviews um yeah funny but emotional star studded also personal absolutely fantastic charmingly endearing there you are les there's a bit of smoke up your ass there you are there you go that's lovely i wrote this um in 2008 so when did i buy it uh you bought it (laughs) you bought it in 2018 (laughs) 10 years later 2018 well i think that's because you know when when you or when i certainly when i wrote this book they gave me a batch of um them and then the paperbacks and I slowly ran out because mm. friends would say, have you got a copy? And I'd give copies away. And eventually I didn't have a copy myself. So in 2018, I think I again had been asked by somebody about it. And so I thought, well, I better buy a copy. In fact, I can I can see that copy on the bookshelf right now. Um, and um, I, yeah, well, I was I was proud of this because I couldn't come up with a title for ages and ages and ages. And um, and I also, um, when uh, Orion, when uh, Johnny Geller, my literary agent, when I, I was with Curtis Brown at that time, mm. and he said, look, you know, we'll see if we can get a deal. Um, and and I went, but I don't want a ghost-written book. And he went, mm, well, you know, people always say that. Mm. I said, well, what about if I write two or three chapters and send them to you? And so I did that, and he said, okay, go ahead. You can oh, do wow. it. Okay. So I wrote it longhand because oh. um, <laughs> oh. I'm such a Luddite. Oh, I'm getting um, hand cramp just thinking of it. Oh, no. And, and Claire, my wife, in 2008, uh, we, we didn't, we hadn't known each other. We met in 2005, so it was a perfect way of her finding out about my life. Mm. She typed it up for me and okay. kind of... She didn't edit, but she certainly was great at, you know, just suggesting the way it should go. Um, and so I was I was very proud of it because I wanted it to be warts and all. And I wanted to explore who Leslie Heseltine stroke Les Dennis was because they're two different people. Leslie Heseltine, you know, isn't keen on getting up and being entertaining, but Les Dennis will do 20 minutes when the fridge door opens. So, you know, and so this has always been the struggle in my life. So I wanted also to look at the fact that when my mum had died, when my dad had died, um, and then when Dustin had died, I went on stage, you know, Mm. all three times. Um, And I wouldn't do that now. You know, uh, I believe that I held my grief in mm. and I crashed and burned after that. And my first marriage went on the back burner and then was ruined. And um, and I, my life was all over the place after those, the, those three deaths. And so mm. I wanted to explore all of that and be honest about it. So I'm really pleased that people have written nice reviews about it because it is an honest 
uh, book. And I, I remember going on uh, front row and Mark Lawson saying how much he'd enjoy it. I was like, okay. Oh, I'll take that. <laughs> okay, oh, fat Mark that. Lawson, blimey. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so, yeah, it's... um. And in 2018, I bought it again, and just recently, uh, with a friend um, who uh, is a radio producer, um, I've been reading it uh, into this microphone, yeah. um, and thinking about putting it out as an audio book because it never was an audio book. The only odd oh, thing about you must it is do that. You must do that. Yes, of course. Yeah, but then when you're going, you know, and my fiance Claire, and you know, it's, it's at a time before. Um, now you know mm. that was then this is now so you think oh well i've changed so many things now so maybe i need to update it as well mm. as as rewrite as uh, reading it it sounds like 2005 was a heck of a year for you considering that there are there are certain bad things that have just happened we've talked about people passing away we've talked about family yeah. family fortunes has gone um mm-hmm. the, the marriage has fallen apart you've had bad times on coming out of a slave to big brother suddenly yeah. claire appears you get yeah. Uh, extras happens that was a real yeah. crossroads moment wasn't it it was absolutely yeah and um it's exactly that you don't if you knew what was coming in in front of you i think you'd be scared of it but but you know you don't have to always be scared about it mm. because great things happen to us all the time if we if we believe you know and i i think that one of people say to me what's your best achievement and i think for me it's still being around in this business because it's a difficult business to stay around in uh, and from 1971 to now i'm still here that's what i i kind of that stephen sondheim song <laughs> i'm still here um rings in my ears all the time because i've managed to reinvent and keep going but you never know whether that's the right thing and which when you take a path, you don't know you're, you're necessarily going on the right path. No, no. Or rather, come off a path. That's yeah. what I tend to do is, like like we talked about that um, Guardian review, I make left turns. But, yeah, yeah. But the, the path is coming round. Absolutely. And there's just always this sense, you've got to have the sense of, well, you know, if something bad happens, well, maybe it's bad or maybe, you know, maybe we'll see. It's just that yeah. It's just that inner optimism. And you can't really yeah. you can't really buy that. That's just DNA. That's That's baked in. Yeah, <laughs> I suppose it is. Yeah, yeah. Kind of, it's in, it's using your and trusting your instincts, isn't it? Mm, absolutely. Um, all right. Okay. Listen. Let's let's uh, hit upon twenty twenty now. All right. Okay. okay. We're gonna we're gonna leap on forward a little bit. Um, and I don't know if you know there was a sort of a pandemic thing in twenty twenty. Yeah, 2020. That, that thing happened, didn't yeah, it? Yeah. Uh, just before. Oh, look. This is twenty nineteen. Technically, thirteenth uh, of December. The Sony PlayStation Four. Yes. Come yeah. On. I don't use it. I'm not, it's, I have never been into video games. Uh, I think Mario Brothers I quite liked, but I don't think you can get Mario Brothers. I was very disappointed. I talked to Tom and said, can you get Mario Brothers on uh, PS4? But it, can you? I don't know. You've got to get a Nintendo Switch, mate. I still, uh, see, I'm like, there you, you go. I, I used to love Mario Brothers and I got my boy a Switch about three years ago. Right. He's completely bored of it now and he always messes around on the iPad. <laughs> and I blim an iPad I'm trying to use for work. So I go and grab his Switch and play Mario on it. Get right. a Switch, Les. There you are. Get a Switch. Okay, well, you know, uh, so Tom is PS4 mad and he's yeah. kind of, we we really uh, said no to Fortnite for so long and and then we all his peers and certainly because they are sitting there during the pandemic they were sitting and connecting with their mates so the fact that he wanted to play with his mates we gave into Fortnite. oh my god the (laughs) the requests for skins oh no for, for um well robux and all that stuff as well so you know I don't know. It's um, it's a world. I, I I go in and sit with him and try to have a go. I haven't got a clue what's going on. I Not think I think there is a lot of people get sniffy about kids playing computer games, and I yeah. think you have to go every now and again. And this is very my very naive approach to it. Sit yeah. with them, yeah, and sort of watch and go what you do. Ten minutes of that, my sons love it when I do yeah. that. And then yeah. I can then I can naff off and I get a good couple of hours <laughs> yeah. without them. So, you know. <laughs> You're right. You're absolutely right. If you show an interest and you just go, yeah, just, what's this? Yeah, what's going on here? There's um, a cat skin. Okay. And Tom was like, look at this cat skin, Dad. And he said, it's a bit like Mickey Mouse, isn't it? It's old fashioned. It's black and white. I went, it's like Felix the Cat. So I Googled Felix the Cat for him and he went, wow, it is. That's what it is. So, he, so suddenly I got brownie points for, for knowing what the reference was. <laughs> 
My dad is so cool. He gets yeah. my dad. Les Dennis, my dad really gets cat skins. Really gets them. Really gets them. Um, all right, look, here we go. 2021 now. Um, yeah. We've got Marvel classic novels, Wolverine, all the Marvel stuff. Now, I've been I've been in Marvel denial for a long, long time. Right. And then recently we got Disney Plus and I watched all the Marvel films with my wife and kids. And we they are so good. It's unfathomable. It's basically yeah, a decade of these movies now. They're incredible. And and he's great, isn't he? Uh, the greatest showman guy, Hugh Jackman. Oh, he's incredible. Yes. And the Logan, I really enjoyed the Logan movie. Yes. Did you see that Logan? The kind of um, that that is a is it still a, a Wolverine? Yes, it's it's Wolverine. But yeah, it's Wolverine, but sort of uh, later on and broken and, and broken. That's right. Yeah, um, I enjoyed that. And I I think the reason that that Wolverine novel has been bought is. In Tom's defense, um, again, World Book Day mm. and teachers saying you can't uh, use comics or comic characters. Um, and so we bought the novel and Tom started reading the novel because you can say he's reading. It's, it's a character from a novel. There so, you go. See? <laughs> so it, was, it, was a, it was a way into him going to World Book Day as Wolverine. Absolutely. Listen, my kids are currently reading, well, my eldest is currently reading a Minecraft chapter book. I <laughs> couldn't care less that it's Minecraft. He is sitting down on the sofa yeah. and reading yeah. a book. Exactly, exactly. I'm absolutely with you on that. Take yeah. the win. For God's yeah. sake, take the win. Um, good, yeah, we've got Wolverine Claws here. Very nice indeed, I assume, for the kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, to, to, trying to watch Tom on the trampoline wearing those claws is a worry, though. <laughs> it is. I'm just like, get them off, take them off. <laughs> it's like your mum heading the ball with the rollers in again. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, no. Yeah. 3rd of February 2021, The Dresser by Ronald... Hartwood, is this Donald, you? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a great play. Uh, based on, I think Ronald Harwood was uh, a dresser who worked for Wolfit. And um, there was a film with Albert Finney and Tom Courtney. Mm-hmm. And I think there was a television version with Ian McKellen and Anthony Hopkins. Um, and it's a, it's a play that um, I've always wanted to do. And I used to want to play the dresser, but now I want to play Sir. Um, yes. yes. <laughs> so um, my I did the RSC a couple of years ago, and there's a lovely actor, John Hodgkinson, and he. Oh and my I God! Talk- I know his. I know his wife, Rosa. Incredible. Oh, well. oh, do you really? Yeah, she's, yeah, she's yeah, lovely, yeah. isn't she? she? So basically, very she tenuous. Teaches, doesn't she? She's a teacher. Yeah. Very, very tenuous. I'll probably cut this out. Uh, my my wife's best, best, best friend, Lydia, is Rosa's uh, sister. So oh, I know, wow. And John oh, and I wow. were the same agent. There we are. Small world. Okay. Well, well, John, John and I said, well, let's try and think about doing the dresser. So I must have bought a copy thinking about that and then found out that the rights to it are not available at the moment. I wonder if because of theatre being uh, tentatively back but not properly back, mm. that writers are not allowing the, the rights of the um, plays out until they know there's going to be an audience. Yeah. Yeah, John is a great actor. You should definitely, definitely oh, do that. Oh, he's great. He's a great actor. He In is. fact, we we talked about kind of maybe alternating. So we play dresser <gasps> and sir. That's a um, good idea. <laughs> do it because it has been done a few times. The dresser. So I I was trying to work out a way of doing it differently. I went. What about if we do what Benedict Cumberbatch? Yeah, and, of course. Um, when they did Frankenstein. Uh, Frankenstein. Yes, yeah. that's a great idea. This is interesting. This thing that you're talking about the RSC. I had no idea that you did stuff at the RSC. If you you come to plays later on, or is it one of those things where you're like, no, I've always done them, but people just knew me better for Family Fortunes, kind of. Thing. Um, I think. It was something when I uh, was young, I used to go to the Everyman Theatre in Liverpool and watch an amazing company of actors mm-hmm. um, in the 70s. That I, I don't know how, there was a, an artistic director there called Alan Dosser and he managed to get the very young Jonathan Price, Alison Steadman, Bernard Hill, oh, wow. uh, Anthony Sher, um, Trevor Eve, all these uh, Bill Nye. Matthew yep. Kelly, all the Julie, Julie Walters, oh my this God. company of actors, stop it, it's were incredible and just starting out. So my uh, love of theatre was fired then, and I always thought, well, I want to do that, I, you know. But I'd already started down the working men's clubs and the and the comedy route. Mm. So 
when Family Fortunes came along, it gave me the chance, the luxury, because it only took three weeks a year to um, film uh, a whole series. Wow. Um, it gave me the luxury to be able to go and do a play at a rep. At, uh, you know, I went to the um, uh, watermill in Newbury and did David Hare's Skylight, nice. uh, which was real baptism by fire. Yeah. And then I did Misery at Alden Coliseum. And I learned my craft as an actor by working with directors who taught me. Um, so it's something that I always wanted. And when I was, again, when I was um, 17, I went to Stratford and, and sat in the theatre and watched... Um, 12th night and just thought I want to do that mm. and then um two years ago I got the chance to to do it um and went to Stratford and and had a fantastic time just yeah. a lovely season and is it is it it's Les Dennis who's wanting to do that and is, is Leslie Heseltine sitting there going oh no not more of this <laughs> well Leslie Heseltine I think wants I think Leslie Heseltine is the actor and Les Dennis is the performer ah, so okay. right so I think right okay yeah I think that um that that's pro- and you've only made me just realize that <laughs> that the the Leslie Hesseltine side of me is the kind of the one that wants to get on stage but with other people that's yes. the wonderful thing i think about you know what it's like as a stand up i mean when i started stand up the the term didn't exist i was a turn mm. um i did me act and, um and uh then as i got older i got fed up of being on my own in dressing rooms because I know the comedy circuit that you guys worked is more likely that you're all working with other comedians. But in the working men's clubs, you didn't. You worked with a um, a guitar vocalist or a band, a show band or whatever, yeah. uh, and were on in between the bingo. Um, so I got fed up of going round and living that lonely existence. And for me, being part of a company of actors is fantastic. Yes. To be there with other people and feeling like it's a it's a collaborative process. Absolutely, because you do there is a, a bond with other stand-ups in the green room, but it's yeah. qu- it's only so thick. Whereas when you've got the collaboration of other actors, it's a whole different yeah. whole yeah. different ball game. It is it so is. Uh, and look, uh, March twenty twenty one as we come towards the end of this episode, Les, I just I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed this. Thank you. For oh, I've really enjoyed it. Oh, it's <laughs> just brilliant. Um, and and we can see. Look, we can see. Uh, <laughs> The, t- the two different people here. Uh, we we've got. Um, I, I would say this is this is uh, Les Dennis buying the ring lights, uh, getting ready for some <laughs> nice Zoom broadcasting here, and then maybe again maybe the show is Les Dennis here buying <laughs> electric toothbrush heads, keeping those keeping those <laughs> Nashes sparkly and white for the new bright light you've got shining on them. Well, um, the 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 light was something I had to buy because. Um, that thing of doing self tapes and and holding it shakily in front yeah. of you or putting yeah. sticking yeah. it on a yeah. pile of books, I thought I've got to get a bit more professional about this. Um, and uh, and then my kids saw it and went TikTok. No, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, uh, so that that was uh, something that I did as a legitimate um, expense for the business. And, mm. and I've had um, all of three uh, self-tapes since I bought oh, it. But oh. there you go. Um, but then um, the the toothbrush, that's the nagging dad. Yes. That's the nagging dad going, uh-huh. kids, teeth. If they, It's the one thing that they get fed up, I think, hearing mm. me nag them before school, after <laughs> school, before they go to bed. And, you know, when I sit, see them just using an ordinary toothbrush, I go, no, let's get the head sorted on the um, yeah. on the electric one and, and get it. In fact, I think earlier I'd bought another um, uh, the, the the charger. Yeah, because, I can see that here. I, can, well, I bet that's already in a disgusting yeah. state. They're clean for about three minutes. Yeah, that's because my other dog had, had chewed the charger, so I had to buy the <laughs> I had to buy the charger as well. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. The chaos is perfect. Um, listen. Uh, Les Dennis, the, uh, the the lovely Leslie Hasseltine and the much-loved Les Dennis, this has been such a privilege to chat to you on My Mate Bought a Toaster. Thank you for coming on. I've loved it, and I've loved the show, and I'll keep listening. Thank you. Love you, baby, man. I want you for the rest of my day. 
the fabulous Les Dennis on My Mate Bottle Toaster. How wonderful is he? Oh, I enjoyed that far too much. Um, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this, it would be amazing if you get a chance to give us a review. Uh, give us a follow on the socials at ToasterPod and don't forget to subscribe. And then that way, every week, uh, the new episodes will be landing on your device and then in your ears first thing Wednesday morning. Oh, and guess who is on the show next week? Annika Rice, team. Yes. Would you like to know what she thought of the show? Brilliant format. Oh, God, it's the funniest I've come across, to be honest. And Annika Rice is never wrong. That's why they call her Annika Wright. Sorry, it's been quite a long day. Anyway, the Annika Rice episode will be out next week or on Patreon at some stage today. Don't forget, we've got the Patreon. Patreon.com slash ToasterPod, where you can get Annika Rice's brand new episode. And there will be an Adam Buxton episode dropping on there very soon. Indeed, have a great day. Enjoy this glorious weather. Put some sun cream on. See you soon. Bye. I'm Tilly Steele. And I'm Helen Monks. And this is Bitchin'. I'm dyslexic. Yeah, why do you read the Wikipedia <laughs> page? It's good to practice. Yeah. A podcast where every week we talk about a different person. So how old was he when he first popped on the scene? That's a great If question. you say he was my age, I'm gonna <laughs> fucking die. And we veer wildly off track. Pop that Prosec. <laughs> Available on all your podcast apps. That's not right. Can you not say er in the advert? (laughs) Available on all your podcast platforms. Just search Bitchin' or Great Big Owl. We'll see you there. That was all right. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.